Kansas, of course, has plenty of sunshine and a heck of a lot of wind. Both can be harnessed to produce valuable electricity. Wind is a powerful source in the state of Kansas, but there are signs the solar industry just hasn't kept pace. On a closer-to-home level, solar advocates say Kansas has work to do to enable homeowners and business owners to take advantage of the sun's rays. With the Kansas Reflector today are Mark Horst, owner of King Solar of Yoder, and Michelle Milburn of Stanion Wholesale Electric in Pratt, as well as Jessica Lucas of Clean Energy Business Council, to make the connection with two bills introduced in the Kansas legislature to spur development. Welcome to you all. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be here. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Jessica, let's start with you, and perhaps you can just give us a bit of a foundation, some information that listeners can can lean on to understand the size and scope of the solar power in Kansas. Yeah, Tim, happy to be here to have this discussion. Our legislation uh, was designed with the idea of creating a uniform policy for Kansans that no matter where you lived in the state, everyone was playing by the same rules. They knew... Um, what the system size limitations were and and how the net metering policy works. Right now, there are um, some some of the most restrictive policies in the country in the Evergy territory, and then the municipal and cooperative territories have a variety of different uh, policies or sometimes no policies that customers are subject to, and. Our solar installers have been doing this work and trying to provide people solar when they call up and say, hey, we're looking at ways that we can reduce our energy load and lower our cost. And we've bumped up into a lot of gray areas. So we came to the legislature with some ideas about how we could improve the process and and hopefully make it easier for Kansans to access this energy opportunity. And Jessica, the the gray areas you're talking about apply to both commercial solar facilities and also the private homeowner type. Yeah. So when we're talking about distributed generation and rooftop solar, that is a technology that can be utilized by both the homeowner and a business owner. Um, The policy today for those in the investor-owned utility area is that you can install a 15 kilowatt system as a residential homeowner and a system sized up to 100 kilowatts for a commercial business. That's pretty limiting for businesses. There's a lot of folks who would love to be able to utilize this technology and experiencing experience some of the cost savings that comes with that, but the system size doesn't make the system work. Okay. One last piece of our backgrounder part of this is what about the political dimension of this? Kind of help us understand what you look at when you go into the Capitol and work on behalf of clean industry businesses. So what we've seen is that the solar industry has changed a lot over the last decade, and there's more recognition by folks under the dome that that there's interest in accessing this technology. This is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. Folks recognize that they want their constituents to have every tool available. Um, Many folks believe that all energy options should be available, and solar, rooftop solar is one of those. So it's not a a Democrat or Republican issue in the way some things are. We have support across the board. It's just a matter of figuring out how to work within the existing systems and the business models of how utilities operate today. How can we all work together to transition to make this possible to more people and still honor commitments to customers? All right, Mark and Michelle, we've 
raised the flag on a couple of bills here. Let's start with the uh, second of these, House Bill 2228. And it's a piece of legislation creating a uniform policy for net metering. I'm going to try to define net metering here. It's a billing mechanism that credits a solar energy system owner for the electricity they add to the grid. And utility companies compensate those contributors of electricity and at times sell electricity back to those individuals and companies. Does that ring true? It is a piece of ne- of that legislation, yes. Okay. So net metering also s- sets a standard for safety and interconnection, uh, the system size ratings, uh, as well as how, yes, power that any excess power that the home isn't going to instantly consume will go back to the grid for credit. And of course, they'll also be paying for that same energy that they use from the grid as they would any other homeowner. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jessica talked about standardizing the rules of this industry, of the solar industry. Why, is, why would that be beneficial in Kansas? I think the main reason is the different types of utilities that we have. Now, investor-owned utilities have been working under net metering for quite some time. But there are municipalities who also say, hey, we offer net metering and parallel generation as well. But their version of net metering is different. It often will also be paired with additional fees or or things that might deter folks from investing in, in those so if we're going to have net metering or that exchange of credit on a on a monthly basis, we'd like to see it more consistent. You know, for instance, municipalities, there's 118 statewide in terms of municipalities, and those policies vary widely. And they can be right next door to each other. And so as contractors and as someone like myself who helps uh, folks assess whether or not they have a viable option with solar, we take into account their production. We take account um, their resource. But we also have to take into account these policies that vary, and it can really degrade the viability of a project. Yeah, it really sounds like it adds a, a high level of complexity. Mark Horst, King Solar, how would you perceive the notion here of creating a standard uh, set of policies regarding solar in Kansas. So, so standardization is is basically a. Uh, it's also a question of equity. So, if someone lives in a different city or a different cooperative area, they they may not have the ability to install solar for various reasons. Um, and even to the point of that, the co-ops and the municipalities can change their policies on a monthly basis at their city council meeting or at their at their board of directors meeting. Um, and, and the legislation would just say, no, this is these are the rules you're playing by. Um, and it's a stable, equitable way to do it. So that's that's the big benefit. Mark, do you think that the rules of other states, we'll say Missouri, for example, are more amenable to solar installation? Do we have Kansas companies doing a bunch of work in Missouri on solar? Yes, is the answer to that second question. Um, My company is strictly here in Kansas, so I can't speak to much other than what I learned from trade shows and from from colleagues. But there are a number of, of installers that work in Kansas City metro area on both sides of the line. All right, Jessica, getting back to House Bill 2228, what are some of the other key elements of here that we can tell people about? I'm actually going to defer that question to Mark to just talk through a couple of the things. Um, We're really proud of this legislation because we tried to think about 
all of the feedback that we've received from policymakers about what what they think is important. So I think speaking to okay, Mark, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a couple highlights of this. So basically the legislation is drafted so that it, it opens net metering up super, super wide. And it's saying there's there's probably 10 or more different ways we can we can get to a more stable, equitable um, interconnection policy or net metering policy. And so one of those is uh, system sizing caps. Uh, currently, the system sizing cap for residential is 15 kilowatts and commercial is 100. This raises that substantially. Um, and there's um, sizing metrics. So right now, the, the, the legislation has uh, the term appropriately sized written in. Who, well, who defines appropriately sized? Everyone defines it and everybody <laughs> defines it differently. So this legislation would, would our goal would be to say though this is the formula you use um, another one is um, is a, a cap on allowable capacity currently the net metering capacity cap is one percent uh, we'd say you know uh, there are other states that have upwards of 20 percent or more uh, grid, grid penetration from solar um, we're asking for 10 percent at this point uh, so can you stop right there yeah. you better say that last bit there in sure. English uh, <laughs> okay one percent. <laughs> Okay. So one percent. So whenever I say solar uh, grid penetration, basically uh, utility in any given year uh, has a number of capacity, and it's measured in megawatts or megawatt hours, depending on how they're doing it. Um, and solar produces in kilowatts, which is which is a, a, a mathematical formula that's smaller than a megawatt. Um, and basically, they take the number of megawatts they sold last year divided by one hundred, and that's one percent. Um, and and that's how much solar can be installed. Uh, we're asking for that instead of being 1% of last year's peak uh, to be raised to something larger like 10%. Okay. Michelle, just getting back to you consulting with individuals who might like solar, uh, have you noticed an increase in the number of people coming to you uh, curious about this? Absolutely. Uh -huh. uh, you know, can, uh, Stanion works with 17 different branch locations of uh, 16 of those throughout Kansas. So I will tell you in the 10 years I've been with Stanion building out, uh, you know, and then helping electrical contractors, you know, to install these types of products. And we went from working with three or four of our branch locations. And last year it was 14 out of our 17. So those are the areas that we're seeing. And, and as it expands West, yes, uh, folks want the technology and they're saying, I have this resource, I have this power, I have this energy that is landing on my property. I want to collect it and make use of it. Jessica, the, I'm curious too, when you have individuals trying to make decisions about solar, whether it's a business owner or somebody with a, uh, a big farming operation perhaps, uh, is this about helping them find a, a lower cost option for electricity and about consumer choice? It's 100% about customer choice and being able to access or at least find out what options are available to lower their cost. And our goal is recognizing that the industry is changing. Um, technology is, has rapidly outpaced, I think, what any of us thought was going to happen. We need Kansas policies to change with that so that folks can have the choice they have the opportunity to make the choice for the energy that they consume. I think Michelle said it great, right? This this energy source is landing on their roof and technology exists for them to capture it and use it. Let's make sure they can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, challenge here is to convince the House and Senate and the governor that you're right. <laughs> okay, Jessica, let's shift to the other House bill, 2227. And this is... a. Uh, this is different. This is about third-party agreements used to finance solar projects. Can you kind of give us a summary of this one? 
Yeah. So House Bill 2227 is another tool that can be used. Um, in this circumstance, the Army, for instance, is advocating for this, one of the champions who testified in the hearing, and they want the ability to lease um, their solar array or any of the energy source that they would derive from renewables and rather than have to install and own it. So it's a, the difference between an own um, versus a lease. It's another tool that's available in more than half of the states across the country that folks are using effectively. Oklahoma is another state where power purchase agreements are available, and it enables you to go to other developers to find out what options are available. The utility also could offer a third-party power purchase agreement or a power purchase agreement, but they can negotiate with other developers as well. Tell me if I'm wrong. Currently, only utility companies in Kansas can enter into these purchase power agreements. Yes, that's correct. That's why this legislation is being sought, so that it does provide, again, more choice um, to customers in making decisions about their energy consumption. Yeah, and that's a barrier. And it could be that uh, there's a a wealthy investor in, in Hayes, Kansas, and wants to enter into one of these agreements as an individual uh, for businesses in the Hayes area, I guess. Uh, but they couldn't do that. They couldn't be the financier for something that might help that community. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This business is, or this bill is another tool. Um, and we want Kansans to have as many tools in their toolbox to use for deciding their energy generation and um, where possible to lower their cost. Mark and Michelle, can you envision uh, if this was adopted and, and put into statute that there could be a, a domino effect if, if more investment from different sources, not necessarily utilities, could come in? Would, would it make it easier uh, and make a difference to people making decision? Would it make a difference for the businesses that are engaged in solar? Yeah, so a power purchase agreement allows a long-term agreement to pay for the upfront capital investment. So currently, if a, if let's say a church, for example, wants to put a solar array on their roof, they have to come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. Um, a power purchase agreement allows a financer to buy the system, own it, and have it installed. And then the church just buys the power that that, that produces every month. Perhaps at a lower cost. Typically at a lower grid? cost, yes, typically. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But at least maybe they could have, they could feel good about their drawing from the sun or sure. something yeah, like so that. Sure, yes, there's multiple reasons why people install solar. Financial is one, uh, environment is one, and also uh, just being able to be self-sufficient is a, is a big one right now in today's, mm-hmm. in t- in today's political climate. Mm-hmm. Michelle, do you think uh, you, some of your clients, the people that come to you would have a, a different uh, idea about the opportunities for solar if there were a, a broader array of investment opportunities as somebody help pay them those upfront costs? Absolutely. You know, I think mostly about some of those areas that financially need more longevity. Uh, in rural areas where we have hospitals and, and limited access to some of those services, it's a great way to create more financial longevity for them because these systems are 30 years or more in terms of performance. Schools, we, we see this also as an investment. We have enough uh, issue with trying to uh, to fund our schools. If we can lower that operating cost on, a, on an annual basis, uh, it's a win-win. Uh, so the idea is that with a PPA, you would be able to purchase energy that's produced at your property for less than what you would from the grid. And you can do that at a monthly payment that is lower than what you would have been paying as to the utility. Jessica, question about these 
power purchase agreements. What do other states do in this arena? There must be some states that authorize it and states that don't, and states yes, that don't so care. Maybe they don't have a solar it's, industry. It's all of the above. There are seven that expressly prohibit third-party PPAs, and Kansas is one of those seven. Um, there's at least 27 who have granted that authority, including Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, we know, grants this authority for third-party uh, financial arrangements. Do we know anything about Colorado and Nebraska, Missouri? Uh, Colorado and Missouri, I believe, also permit them. I do not believe Nebraska has anything on the books one way or the other. I see. Okay. All right, Jessica, let's, um, both of these bills have been heard in committee. What, what can people expect to see going forward? Like, what's the process? So the process is that the bills have had a hearing and now is really where the dialogue begins. And we're having conversations with legislators and also with the utility partners to figure out where can we find common grounds. Um, bills start as an idea. We think our ideas are pretty good ideas and we would be thrilled to see them on the governor's desk. That being said, um, the legislative process is one of negotiation. And so we're talking with um, all folks that have an interest in this and trying to figure out what is the best path forward for Kansans. And our intention is that we will see these on the governor's desk and able to benefit um, all ratepayers in the state. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Mark, uh, I'm going to give you the final word here. Can you do us a favor and, and make a pitch uh, to your neighbor across the backyard fence mm -hmm. about why they should have solar on the top of their house? Ah, it depends is going to be my first answer. I mean, what's your, what are your goals? So if your goals are saving money every month, then it really depends on which way your roof faces. Do you have trees that cover your property? Some, some customers just shouldn't install solar. Um, if you're looking to, to save the environment, then we can find something that will work for you. It might be a ground mounted system in the backyard. It might be just changing your light bulbs to LEDs. Um, and, and if you, uh, if you have a mixture of those, a financial technology and environment, then uh, we'll find something for you. But but it really depends on your goals. So I, I can't tell my neighbor they need solar. It, it, it's a choice for them. And that's what this bill is about, is about consumer choice. Maybe more precision. Yes. One last thing that I want to say to anyone listening that is interested in solar as with any new technology and business, it does behoove you to do your research. And Mark's business, um, Good Energy Solutions, Cromwell Solar, we have some wonderful Kansas-based companies that are doing this. And, and I would just urge folks to do your homework and know that your Kansas-based companies are doing really good work and they deserve your phone call if that's where you're considering going. All right, excellent. I think we're going to have to leave it there. We'll see how the political process works out. I want to thank our guest today, Mark Horst, owner of King Solar of Yoder, Kansas, and Michelle Milburn of Stanion Wholesale Electric and Pratt, and Jessica Lucas. Thank you all for being here. Thanks thank for having us. <laughs>